and it's certainly good to be in front of this uh, wonderful group of folks who love our country and who work every day to make our country better. Uh, South Carolina has benefited from your thoughts and your prayers over the last really 29 days now since uh, Mother Emanuel experienced uh, the atrocity mm -hmm. that we did. I will tell you that as it still causes me to pause and think before I speak because it certainly is still an ongoing public healing process, we are better because the nation wrapped their arms around South Carolina and gave us strength to stand when it got difficult and it has been difficult at home. But your prayers and your thoughts have been greatly appreciated and I will tell you that South Carolina has never been better in many, many ways. The challenges that we faced over the last five decades, we were able to solve some of those challenges in about 23 days because of the challenges at Mother Emanuel. Uh, the love and forgiveness and this notion of unity became real for us at home uh, in a way that I, I could not have dreamt of the day when we would be so united, so consistently throughout the state, not on the issues of politics or the flag, but on the issue of each other. That is a powerful experience and part of the benefit uh, of, of the last 29 days or so. I certainly would, as I was talking to one of my friends who's a Democrat in the state Senate, Gerald Malloy, he simply said that he would much rather Clemente Pinckney, the state senator, was a good friend of mine and a very good friend of his. We both said we'd rather have the flag flying and our friend walking around than the reverse. So the price has been very high for some of the progress that some of us claim victory on. But the truth of the matter is that the greatness of South Carolina was not seen uh, in the voices or in the actions of elected officials. It wasn't heard by uh, the voices shouting on the state house. It was exemplified and seen clearly by the act of forgiveness presented to the world by nine family members who had lost their father or their mother, their brother or their sister, their daughter or their son. And that act of forgiveness couched in the power of love was the most powerful force ever seen. And it rallied the world around Charleston, rallied the world around South Carolina. And to that I'm very excited and very thankful for it. Uh, we will continue to grow and learn a lot along the way uh, as we continue to heal publicly. And sometimes it's difficult to heal in public, but uh, you guys have been very gracious uh, with us and we've heard from so many folks and I thank you for that. As I look at what we're doing in the Senate, it is uh, quite interesting. We, we, but we're on the verge, on the verge, of passing our ESEA reauthorization. I think Senator Alexander has been a tremendous leader on the issue of education, a powerful voice, and has truly uh, helped us meander our way to the finish line. A unanimous vote in the Senate on a committee how many of you guys have seen lots of unanimous folks in the Senate? <laughs> in any way, shape, or form on any topic, yeah. just take your time and think about it. No hands going up already? Yes. So what Senator Alexander did was powerful and amazing, and for the first time in seven years, we'll have a reauthorization of the uh, No Child Left Behind, behind and, which is a good thing from our perspective. For the first time, if you look at the concept of the bill, there will be uh, pay for performance for teachers embedded in it. 
the common core issue will be less of a federal issue, more of a state issue. Uh, I'm still fighting for school choice. I think it's incredibly important that we figure out how to help those kids struggling in the wrong zip codes find real opportunity, real hope. I think it's found in school choice. You look at the DC Opportunity Scholarship, which is probably the best example of what's possible with education in the right hands, with the right apparatus around it. Uh, here in DC, you can spend about $22,000 per kid. And that's the highest in the nation, I believe it is. And for $22,000, you produce a graduation rate around 56%. But in the Opportunity Scholarship Program, for about $8,500, or about 40 cents on the dollar, you produce a graduation rate around 91%. So 22,000 gets you 56% graduation rates, or for 8,500, you can have 91%. Uh, and these kids are the same kids going to the other schools. So the power of choice to me is the power of opportunity, and it is, in fact, the power of the American dream. And so hopefully, I think we had about 47 votes. Senator Alexander came to me and in his very kind, fatherly way said, don't worry, Tim. About 10 years ago, it was like 33 votes. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm not going to be here that long. <laughs> if every 10 years I catch 12 or 13 votes and there's a 60 vote threshold, that means I have to be here as long as Strom Thurmond to make progress. <laughs> I'm already 50. I can't stay that long, you know? So. Literally, Harry, that was supposed to be funny, but we'll get to you later. But anyway, seriously, it was amazing uh, the type of dedication and longevity that is necessary to make progress in the Senate. Uh, I must concede I understand why, though. Uh, you just tell them I'll call them back. Oh, well, she's actually talking to them. I apologize. But, uh, we'll talk to the side of them for a little while. <laughs> I get myself to see this stuff over there. And I'll tell you though that when you look at the, the house, I was talking to my good friend Trey Gowdy on the, they had you know, votes the other night. I think they were voting like 22 times. And I started yawning, I got tired. I've been in the Senate so long that 22 votes just sounds like forever. <laughs> we had five votes just a few minutes ago. I will tell you that most of us stayed awake through the entire five votes. <laughs> they, do, they do provide jello in the middle of it all, which is wonderful. <laughs> No question, we have our pillows. I went into the little room, they have a little back massage chair. They didn't have all that in the house. So I understand why things move a little slower in the Senate. I guess when you're part of the body, you can make fun of the body, right? So we're gonna do that right now. The, the other issue that will start to percolate, so to speak, from a Southern perspective over the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks, uh, is the Highway Trust Fund. You know, we are at our limits. I'm not quite sure why we haven't realized it. 731 means this year, you know, July 31st. We could have figured that out a little while ago, but we are now at the end of the road. And Exum Bank, of course, is being celebrated by all the conservatives in, this, in the House and the Senate. Not as funny either. Good, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm celebrating it. It's a lot of pain and anxiety over the next couple of weeks because I say yes to Exum Bank. But the Highway Trust Fund, they've given us several options. In order for us to get a long-term bill, and the definition of a long-term bill is about four years, we have about $82 billion of options if you want the whole four years, if you're willing to go with less. And as you chip away at the pay-fors, you shorten the amount of time. How many of you guys have paid attention to the pay-fors? How many of you guys work for the for Congress? I hope you don't mind us taking your retirement money to 
I'll pay for a part of it. Thank you so much for the contribution. <laughs> it's only $31 billion. It's okay. Will you please pass them a hat? Please? And then we'll send you a note saying thank you very much. I, we are recording this. I apologize to my friends in the Senate. Yes, sir. I didn't mean that, though. Yeah, so when you're looking for the pay-fors, you know, $31 billion comes from the, the reserve, the G funds. Uh, part of it comes from the amount of money that we paid banks on reserve. The money that they put the Federal Reserve is about $17 billion. We have a, another paid for is around $5 billion that's paid for by uh, rescinding the Social Security payments to those felons who are fugitives. I can vote for that one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty comfortable there, you know, just uh, looking at the voter registration cards, and I think I'm okay. Right. Just, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so I think we'll, we'll struggle with the length of time that is possible based on the number of pay-fors that we will find digestible. My good friends uh, led by Chairman, uh, Ranking Member Wyden suggests that perhaps they will bring to the table more pay-fors so we'll have greater al alternatives and more options so that we can talk long-term about a four-year deal. Things will be difficult for us to get there, but by the end of the month we'll at least know the state of affairs and and move forward. I do believe that perhaps something that should provide comic relief was probably said in the last couple of days as it relates to the Iran sanctions deal. It was said by my, my, my I won't call her my good friend, but my colleague who's out in the Senate, I guess, uh, Susan Rice, said on TV the other day. We are talking about the challenges of the Iranian deal, and I, I brought it because I thought the quotes were so interesting. I wanted to read them as opposed to paraphrasing. I am not, by the way, a fan of the Iranian deal so far. Chances are very high that I will be voting against it. I can't find that much to like about it, but I did find her comments entertaining. As the <laughs> National Security Advisor for the President, she said, we should expect that some portion of the money coming from the sanctions relief will go to the Iranian military and could potentially be used for the kinds of bad behavior that we have seen in the region up until now. That would not give me a warm and fuzzy if I was the president. And then she went on and said that they may be able to send money under this deal to Assad in Syria and the Houthi rebels in Yemen. Then she continued. I'd have rescued her from the stage, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. I just had to watch. They're sending money now while they're under the sanctions. They will have more money to send afterwards. I know they're trying to sell the Democrats on why to support this deal. This is just not the right approach I would concede. From my opinion. When you think about the fact that two-thirds of the centrifuges, and they say they have about 19,500 spinning, about 6,000 will be will be allowed to spin continuously, and the other two-thirds will be put into storage. I just want to know where. And who's watching that besides the IAED? The second part of it, I think, is quite interesting and hard to digest is the fact that we went from anytime, anywhere inspections to as necessary. I don't even know what that means. And what they tell us, of course, the, my goal is to make sure that Iran never becomes nuclear capable. But at the end of the 10 years, we know with certainty that their build-up period would be about 12 months. 
And so I find it hard to look at that deal with a straight face. Uh, understanding what we do so far and knowing that as we read more into it, it gets worse page by page. So I think we, A, need to be vigilant in our defense of America and our future. B, I think we need to be, uh, re we must resolve ourselves to fighting this tooth and nail until the end and working towards making sure that we have the votes to sustain the presidential veto. Uh, and truthfully, uh, the notion of world peace uh, is on the line as we look at the Iranian deal. Uh, 